Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Truck Tales, our podcast for food truck ventures, our website. Please let us know if you have any story ideas or have any questions. We're at foodtruckventures.com slash streets, S-T-R-E-A-T-S. So we have the pleasure now of speaking to somebody um, who can update us on a story, which I have been kind of following uh, about food trucks in Denver um, and an effort to, I don't know, restrict them uh, in what's known as, I guess, the low dough or the lower downtown area. Um, we're lucky enough to track down Justin Pearson, um, who can fill us in on what that means. But uh, more importantly, he's with the Institute for Justice. And um, as I just said to him and say to everybody I come into contact with from the IJ, um, fascinating organization, uh, really helping food trucks around the country um, to keep the public sector honest, I guess, uh, on their toes. And God knows food trucks could use a, an ally. So Justin, from the Institute for Justice, thank you so much for joining us. Justin Pearson, tell us what's going on in Denver. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, and I appreciate all your kind words. Um, what happened in Denver is there was an unfortunate police shooting, and you know the body cam footage has been released, and people can watch it for themselves. But uh, to make a long story short, police shot a number of innocent bystanders, at least six innocent bystanders. And rather than take responsibility for what happened, the one thing that the police department did was ban food trucks from the lower downtown or, or Lodo for short district. Um, and that made no sense, right? These bystanders were not hit by flying spatulas. Like that's not what happened. Um, but In fact, the food trucks really had nothing to do with, with the shooting. Right, n nothing at all. Um, but unfortunately we see this dynamic play out in, in many of our different types of work that we do at IJ, where when powerful people make mistakes, they like to try to blame less powerful people. And food truck owners tend not to be as politically connected as some other groups, right? Oftentimes, not all, but oftentimes, food truck owners come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Uh, some of them would have preferred to open up a brick and mortar restaurant, but they didn't have the money. So they open up a food truck. Um, others just prefer a food truck for its own sake. But my point is, these tend not to be wealthy individuals. They tend to come from disadvantaged backgrounds, and they tend not to be politically connected. And so when you have a powerful group that's looking for a scapegoat, you know, they make an attractive target, unfortunately. And that's what happened here, right? Rather than take responsibility for their own mistake that the city was embarrassed about, they blamed food trucks and only food trucks, right? They, they didn't, didn't impose any restrictions on the bars in that neighborhood or the other businesses. But even though the, the police understand and don't dispute the fact that the food trucks were completely innocent, law-abiding abiding businesses, they banned the food trucks, but not the other law-abiding businesses. It just makes no sense. And so we were um, uh, happy to get involved to, to try to correct this injustice. Well, they said, if I read the story correctly, uh, they say that um, the food trucks are keeping people around too long. Um, and you know, the, the people gather after they come out of the bars uh, possibly, you know, somewhat inebriated. Right. Um, again, whether that's, what what is your um, response to that? But, but that's exactly what you want, right? I mean, the way it's this works is on Friday nights and Saturday nights, people go into this neighborhood in Denver where there are a lot of bars, they get intoxicated. And what you want them to do, if you care about public safety, is stop at the food trucks, 
have a bite to eat and sober up a little bit before they drive home. The last thing you should want is to remove food trucks from that equation. That makes the world less safe, not safer. So recently, very recently, and we will keep our audience up to speed because obviously things will change. Um, but recently you sent a letter. That's right. Yeah. So last week we sent a letter explaining how um, this ban was both just bad policy because it actually makes things less safe instead of safer and constitutionally suspect because, <clears throat> excuse me, because the government is picking and choosing who it's going to restrict from operating for no constitutionally legitimate reason, right? Again, the government recognizes that the food truck owners had nothing to do with this any more than the bar owners did, yet it's allowing some businesses to stay open and banning others. And so both the, the federal and state constitutions require the government to act consistently. It's based on something called equal protection. And here the government's acting inconsistently. And so there's this constitutional problem but even before we get to the constitutional problem, it's just bad policy. Like this ban was not a good idea, no matter how you look at it. And obviously uh, uh, very bad for the um, economic uh, well-being of food trucks who are, for the most part, small businesses uh, who could use the support as opposed to the, uh, the additional oversight. Um, right. And so what, what happened? So um, is there any progress or what do you expect will happen? Well, so we're now in late August, and what was heartening to see was the city reacted to our letter by saying that they were going to uh, have a partial repeal of the food truck ban. And so this is a step in the right direction, and I, I'm glad that we were able to help. But this partial re repeal is insufficient, um, and it has a number of problems that make it, you know, not make any more sense than the original ban. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, under the partial repeal, what will happen is uh, it'll be limited to six food trucks in this district. Um, and so six food truck owners will be able to support their families that weekend, but not all the other food truck owners. Um, and, and on top of that, the food trucks will need to leave by midnight. And again, this doesn't make any sense, right? The bars let out and, and closed down much later than midnight. And so you should want the food trucks to be there when everyone's leaving the bar, making them the food trucks close early, again, makes things less safe not safer. And so while we're happy that um, we've at least allowed- They read, six, they read your letter, at least they right. read your letter. Yeah. They read the letter, they're moving in the right direction. At least now six food trucks will be able to operate in some capacity, which is better than zero food trucks. But it, it, even even under this this new change, it makes no sense. Like they, they need to completely repeal this misguided ban that never should have existed in the first place. I, I'm, I see a quote from one of your trucks that says, uh, at least it's something, but it's better than being banned for sure. Well, right. I, I guess so. If you look I at mean, it, if you're one of the six that wins the raffle to be able to support your family that weekend. Um, but frankly, you know, the food trucks had nothing to do with this police shooting. And as far as, you know, the, the regulation of food trucks is concerned, things could, should go back to how they were before the police uh, apparently made a, a huge mistake, right? The, the last thing the police should be doing is looking for scapegoats instead of accepting personal responsibility for their own actions. So what happens now? You stick with it until or unless uh, things go back to the way they were? That's right. So you know, we're, we're not satisfied. Um, this partial repeal of the ban, it's, it's an incremental step in the right direction, but it still leaves a lot to be desired. And so we're not going to stop. We are going to continue to put pressure on the city and there are a number of ways we can do that. A lot will depend on how the city continues to react. I mean, 
if, if the if the city sincerely wants to move forward and create better food truck policy that's not based on you know a reaction to this police incident then we'd be happy to work with the city to craft better food truck laws we actually have model food truck legislation on our website ij.org um if the city continues to basically just do whatever the police department wants regardless of whether it's uh, based in good policy then we'll have to take a, a different approach um but but you know a lot will depend on how the city reacts and we're going to keep putting pressure on the city to do the right thing I guess it's not professional of me to say I love you. Um, <laughs> um, I appreciate but it. I, I, in fact, I love uh, and really appreciate the Institute for Justice, and you did slip it in there. But um, I think it would really be helpful um, to let our audience know if they do want to be in touch with you. What's the best way to do that? Sure. Well, we have a fantastic website, and it's very easy since we're the Institute for Justice. The website is ij.org. There's information about all of our cases, all of our lawyers, all sorts of model legislation, strategic reports. I know you had my friend Dick Carpenter on here talking yes. about one not that long ago. Yeah, um, showing that food trucks actually help out restaurants. They don't hurt them. Um, and so anyone who's interested in this should go to IJ.org. If you want to contact me directly, my info and email address, that, that's all on the website, but also just to make things e easy, um, my email address is just my first initial and last name at IJ.org. So that's J-P-E-A-R-S-O-N at IJ.org. Anyone with an issue is welcome to email me. Well, you saved me the trouble of doing it. We're speaking with Justin Pearson from the Institute for Justice, um, which I've discovered recently. And in the interest of uh, full disclosure, we are working with the IJ group uh, on trying to make things better for food trucks in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which is where I find myself. So um, I, I can't, I don't know, I can't thank you enough. The fact that you exist is so, uh, that the organization exists specifically really to help food trucks um, it, it brings tears to my eyes. I know that sounds dramatic, but I've been working with uh, this industry for maybe 15 years. And very rarely do we find an organization that says, we'll help you, yeah. we'd like to help you. We're very fortunate. Um, now I should point out, we don't only represent food trucks. We re represent all different types of small business owners. We also do different types of cases involving property rights and free speech and things. But, but food trucks are a big part of what we do because they're people who need help. For the same reasons I said before, they tend not to have the political connections and the resources of some other groups and so sadly, we've seen time and time again, where bad policy and often unconstitutional uh, laws get passed to favor the concerns of more powerful groups to the detriment of food trucks, oftentimes in ways that don't even make sense, but the more powerful groups don't realize that what they're doing is counterproductive. And so we're happy to get involved. I mean, thank we have over 10,000 donors that pay my salary and Dick Carpenter's salary and everyone else's salary. And so... Um, it's wonderful that we can help people without having to charge them a penny. And and what, what's even more fantastic about it is not to toot our own horn too much, but we achieve results. We have a long list of victories that we've obtained because of the free help we're able to give thanks to our generous donors. Oh, we, we're, we're counting on it, Justin. We're counting hmm. on it. And, and again, my, my gratitude for not only the work that you do, um, but for taking the time to talk with us today. Justin Pearson from the Institute for Justice, we thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, I should also, just before I, I, I end the segment, uh, we will, you will stay in touch with us 
um, and we will um, do updates uh, as to what's happening in Denver, in the Lodo, the lower downtown area. We think it's uh, very, first of all, very interesting and very important. And so for our audience, we will keep you posted on uh, what's happening in Denver. Thank you so much. Thanks a million, Justin. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to, to keep me posted though, okay? Will do, I promise. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're listening to Truck Tales, produced by Food Truck Ventures. This podcast is brought to you by Roll by ADP, small business payroll made easy. So we just heard from Justin Pearson, uh, who is with the uh, Institute for Justice about what's going on in Denver. And just as we were finishing the interview, we got an update. So we went back to Justin and interrupted his vacation um, and asked him if he would bring us up to date. Very quickly, the situation in Denver is that um, the locals, in particular the police, have uh, banned food trucks in a certain area, actually the lower downtown area, Lodo, they call it. Um, and Institute, Institute for Justice and Justin wrote them a, a pretty stern letter saying that it was reasonably unconstitutional to do that and certainly unfair. Um, but Justin, what has happened? You obviously have some clout. Well, I appreciate that. You know, there have been some steps in the right direction, although uh, not enough of them yet. Um, and so before we wrote the letter, the police department in Denver was saying that they were considering making the full ban permanent. Uh, after the letter, they started talking about uh, allowing six food trucks into Lodo, the lower downtown district. Um, and unfortunately, only until midnight. Uh, when the backlash to that continued, they revised it. And so the latest iteration of the ban is that seven food trucks will be allowed uh, where they used to be allowed before. That was their still, compromise to add, add, a, add a food truck? It's it's something, right? It's nice that that one food truck owner will get to support their family, um, but it shouldn't be limited at seven. On top of that, uh, they still will need to leave by midnight. And then to be fair, the police also, um, just so I'm giving all the details, also created a so-called restricted district or restricted area uh, a couple blocks away where more food trucks could operate, but then only until nine and again, kind of away from where the bars are. So they've made a few steps in the right direction, but none of them make any sense, right? It doesn't make any sense to limit it to seven in the place where the food trucks want to be and where their customers want them to be. It certainly doesn't make sense to make them close at midnight instead of staying open until the bars close, right? I mean, the last thing you want to do is take away the, the, this system that caused uh, bar patrons to have something to eat and sober up before heading home. If you remove food trucks from that neighborhood when everyone's leaving the bars at the end of the night, it's just going to increase the the poor behavior and increase drunk driving. And it's just it, basically the, these arbitrary restrictions are making Denver less safe, not more safe. And so it's just such a shame. Um, th this ban never should have been implemented to begin with. And while we're glad that things are getting a little better, the current version of the partial ban continues to make no sense. So what, what, what do you do from here? Well, we're going to continue to put pressure on the city. Uh, it's clear that they respond to pressure, right? It's clear that these restrictions aren't based on any legitimate public policy, but instead all they're trying to do is whatever minimal amount they can do to make the pressure subside uh, without having to apologize for making yet another mistake. And so we want to keep the pressure on them and hopefully we can continue to improve this situation and maybe hopefully someday get back to the, the place we were not that long ago where this ban didn't exist at all.
Well, my money is on Justin Pearson and the Institute for Justice. We thank you so much for taking a minute to uh, to update us. And something tells me we'll be in touch again. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, thanks for having me back on. Thanks, Justin. We don't often get to talk to award winners. Uh, and the following, the person that we're going to talk to right now has been uh, on vacation and coming back and is extremely busy. Uh, we're speaking to Fernando Melgarejo. Yes, perfect. He tells me that my pronunciation is not terrible. No. Uh, who, who owns a food truck uh, based in uh, Orlando, is it? In the Orlando area? Orlando. Yep, uh, called Peru Power. And Peru Power uh, was voted by something called Love Food uh, as one of the best food trucks in the country and 35,000 food trucks in the country. So uh, good to, uh, good. what an honor, really, yes. what an honor. Uh, Fernando, thanks so much for taking a moment. What makes you the best? Uh, I wouldn't say the best. I just think uh, Peruvian food is one of the top right now. So people are enjoying the cuisine, the different flavors. And uh, when we started in Orlando 2014, it was very difficult. No one wanted to eat ceviche. Uh, it was like, what are you guys so one, of my favorite, one of my favorite dishes. Is now it's one of the favorite dishes that we sell out all the time. But at the beginning, it was tough. We didn't know what to do. We started traditional. You know, we, we did really traditional plates. And but was, what, what is traditional? What is considered traditional? We do more like lomo saltado, which is a stir-fried beef. Uh, ají de gallina, which is a chicken dish that we, we took to Peru a lot. Uh, I did the stuffed potatoes, um, more like what, the whole, what is the, uh, it says Peruvian style burgers. Yeah. Man. So after about a year, I said, people are eating a lot of burgers. So let me start bringing the flavors and putting it into burgers and in tacos, which, once I started doing that, it just, it took off. So people would eat the same dishes that I was presenting before, but I just put it in a different style. So what, what makes that what makes a taco Peruvian? Uh, well, I do a fish fried fish and calamari taco, which is our top seller. It's called Halea. And Sounds Halea, amazing. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And then the main thing is doing everything fresh. You know, I do my flour. I do my seasoning. I cut the calamari every day before we go out. And you can tell completely the difference. Uh, we put a Creole sauce on there, which is onions, tomato, lime juice. And I make a white sauce, which is based out of a Peruvian uh, chili, ricotto. Uh, and I add a little fish stock, a little lime, and it, it takes away from the spice. But the whole combo, people actually travel far. Like I get some people are like, we just drove an hour and a half to come get this taco. Really? I <laughs> so, was going to ask you are, you, are you are you more popular these days? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been busy. It's been really, really, really busy. Did this honor um, of being voted one of the best? Uh, in the country, did this change things for you or just confirmed what you already knew? Uh, I, it's always, it's always a blessing to be recognized, um, especially, you know, the food truck business is not easy. It's a grind, it's a hustle and you have to, you know, it's coming from working in huge kitchens to try to condense it to a little mobile food unit, you know, and try to make it everything just as fresh, same quality, and then not only that, speed. People don't like to wait. <laughs> yeah. 
So, not from a food truck. Oh no, no, no. So um, you came from your background was you were working in a in a restaurant kitchen. Yeah. Uh, yes, I worked in a restaurant kitchen. Um, I moved back to Peru years ago, and I opened my restaurant in uh, Miraflores, which is in Lima. And I had a restaurant and I had a bar restaurant, so I had both of those going. I, I met my wife there. Uh, we actually did a team. Well, let's show. mention she. Her name is Carol. Carol, yeah, right. she was a journalist. So uh, we decided to, once we got engaged, let's move to Orlando, back to Orlando, because I wanted to raise my daughter or our kids here. And uh, we were always talking about food trucks. And they said, when I get there, I'll figure it out. I went back, worked at the Disney chains again, where I, where I used to work. And about a year into it, I was like, I got to do this. And she's like, well, you know, she was working as a reporter here in Orlando. And she's like, well, I'll, you know, let's just do it. And they don't make much money either. Yeah. <laughs> so no. We just threw the money we had into this truck. And for, well, for about six months, we did research. And I was like, well, we just got to do it. We put the money into the truck, opened, and it was just like all uphill from there. You know, it was, it was, it was crazy. I mean, the rest, see, is, the rest, the rest, is, the rest is history, right? Yeah, all the struggles and stuff we went through, and that's where we're at now, to where the business is just there. You know, it, it's it's great, especially after the last two years, which was, you know, we were sure everybody. Hard on everybody. We're speaking yeah. with Fernando Melgarejo, mm -hmm. who tells me my my accent is acceptable. Um, he runs the food truck called Peru Power, based in Orlando, that was voted one of the best uh food trucks in the country so congratulations for that fernando really um and if you're in the orlando area uh look them up how can people find you fernando um we're mainly right now on facebook at, at peru power food truck or instagram at peru power food um that's where you can see we put our schedule up weekly there peru so. power go you go how do you say it in uh, peruvian Oh, it's Peru Power. <laughs> wow. Peru Power. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Fernando. Thanks Thank for taking a minute to speak with us. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks a lot. This podcast is sponsored by Roll by ADP. No desktop, no laptop, no problem with Roll by ADP. So I'm back. Every once in a while, we like to get out and talk to people and around the country. How are things going? Uh, various communities, how they're dealing with the uh, uh, mobile food trucks and, and regulations, et cetera. We're lucky enough now to catch a very, very, very busy man. Uh, I know that because he's only been a, 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 on the gig uh, um, uh, dealing with food trucks for the last couple of months, um, but I'm glad to catch up with him. Hans Bastian, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Marie. I, I know you have a uh, a very lofty title, mobile enterprise management. We're going to call you the food truck guy, which uh, I think you said is okay with you. Well, I, I think we're, we're, we're developing a burgeoning friendship here, Marie. So yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so tell, tell, let's uh, tell our audience, first of all, where did you come from? I think your background is kind of interesting. So historically, I've been in uh, financial services, primarily working with uh, small businesses on any number of uh, needs from, uh, from, from financing to business development to, uh, access, as I mentioned, access to, to credit primarily and uh, a lot of the financial resources that they would need to, to run their business. 
and that and that then you segued into the food truck component. So, so I think uh, I talked to you. I found you like yeah. the first day you were on the job. Right. So, um, when small business, uh, many small businesses in, in this country, particularly immigrant businesses, are food re related businesses, right? So, in my financial services uh, career, particularly in banking, I had opportunity to work with quite a few. Uh, food-related entrepreneurs, and of course, restaurants are central to that. Um, so the transition to working with restaurants on wheels was a fairly seamless transition. They're probably pretty happy to see yeah. you too, because I know there was a gap uh, of uh, in the city as the administrations changed. Um, but you've got you've got a good administration. Um, what what are you finding? Have you been out talking to food trucks? Have, what? Uh, have, yeah. What are you What are you seeing? Absolutely. So I, I've, I've tried to kind of immerse myself into uh, the, the food truck culture uh, pretty head on. And so I spent a lot of time talking to the entrepreneurs being on the ground because you really are not going to understand what's going on in, in the industry or in the marketplace without actually talking to an operator. So there's definitely been a, a shift in the environment, certainly over the last couple of years. Um, and the, the the environment has, they've had to shift, right? So uh, food truck operators have definitely had to pivot uh, just in terms of what staffing is like now that we are in a post-pandemic environment. This whole concept of working remotely has had a, uh, has had a major impact on, on a lot of different industries, but probably none more so than the food truck uh, industry. For, for sure, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I, I think it's great that they finally have somebody uh, in that capacity for the city of Boston. I've been around long enough to remember when uh, the program in Boston, which became really became a national model mm -hmm. for food trucks, the lottery, uh, the management um, as the industry was growing. I mean, I remember when we couldn't find 10 trucks for an event mm -hmm. in the city of Boston. And then all of a sudden, there were by before the pandemic, there were hundreds um, and managing hundreds and finding locations for hundreds to vend and keep them all healthy was was quite a challenge for the city of Boston. Then the pandemic hit. I know my list of food trucks uh, went from a thousand to maybe a few hundred. Uh, what are you finding in the city of Boston uh, as as far as the numbers are concerned? or as far as their concerns uh, from, from uh, the mobile food trucks? What, what are you finding? What are you hearing? So, I, I, so what I'm seeing both in terms of some empirical data and, and anecdotally is that the, the food trucks are definitely um, are, are making a, a comeback, but it's really gonna be some of the more experienced operators that are gonna be coming back. The, the pandemic probably weeded out some of the, the weaker participants Perhaps some of those that were um, might not have had the, the the capitalization that that was required to be able to sustain uh, any type of uh, economic uh, hiccup. So definitely see some some trucks also kind of reinventing themselves, taking an opportunity to maybe tweak the menu, um, take the, taking advantage of some of the the changing tastes of the marketplace. Um, how, how is the city of Boston? Does the does the city help? financially does it help in locations does what uh, again i mentioned the lottery i know mm -hmm. that you had i don't know how many lottery uh, uh, locations there were but there were a lot 
I'm sure that that has been condensed to some extent. So that has certainly uh, been condensed because there's, there's there's some of the the public sites that perhaps um, maybe three, four, five years ago were, were viable, and now due to the to changing construction landscape and the the changing um, commuter uh, models as far as how, how people uh, get in and out of the city, that's changed. So there's going to be some sites that are, are, are probably a little bit more. Uh, viable than some others. But what we've done in terms of working with food truck operators is now is that we are um, definitely a little bit more receptive in terms of hearing their ideas as far as other potential locations. So we've been really, uh, there's been a number of food trucks that have come to me um, on an individual basis and have uh, suggested some alternative sites based on their analysis. And uh, on a number of those occasions, we've been able to to grant them that request. So we we definitely realize that we need to be more flexible in this environment, um, and are are paying close attention to what our food truck operators are asking. God bless. Yeah. I mean it. It's not can't be easy because um, yeah. I I know that a lot of trucks were reluctant to go back into the city of Boston because of the 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 reduction in foot traffic, which you alluded to just now. Um, but I think they're all really excited uh, about the future and to have somebody like you in, in a position to to actually talk to, um, let alone be responsive. So um, I, we wish you the best for sure. Um, and I know that the trucks that we deal with, if they're not in Boston, they're looking forward to a time when they can come back into Boston. Um, and having somebody like you in that position, I sure, um, I am positive, will make a huge difference. We're talking with Hans Bastian, who is the food truck guy for the city of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and um, if, if there are food trucks listening to you, listening to this interview, uh, should they just reach out and be in touch with you? Absolutely, they could. They could find me direct at the at the city at six one seven six three five zero four six two. There, they could also just uh, Google uh, food truck portal of Boston, and I'll send get them a, a link to our department as well. Um, and on that page, they'll also find some resources in terms of how to start a food truck. We have a link there for a pre-recorded webinar that we've conducted some months ago. So um, yeah, the, the, the program is, is definitely being uh, reignited and uh, we're, there's some exciting times going forward. So um, one of the things that you alluded to is kind of the, the, the change in the, the, the marketplace, obviously as a result of the pandemic, but what that has demonstrated to us as a city and it's something that the, the new administration is, is fully behind is reactivating community spaces. And one of the ways to do that is through festivals, right? Music festivals and the like. And there's nothing more central to those types of events than food trucks. So that's probably gonna be a, an area of emphasis uh, going forward, perhaps a little bit more than the emphasis we've been putting historically on the public sites. That's pretty exciting. Uh, as somebody who used to produce mm -hmm. food truck festivals, which mm -hmm. is what we used to do, mm -hmm. uh, we sold that company a couple of years ago and we now just book food trucks in, in, around, really mostly around New England. Um, but it's very exciting to, to hear the mayor talk about larger events um, at, and it not only to draw foot traffic mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, people back mm -hmm. into the city, uh, but also to then be able uh, to work with food trucks to service those people at those events. So that's, 
very exciting. And we'll be keeping an eye on what you're up to, Hans. Uh, we thank we thank you very much and thank the mayor uh, for allowing you to, to speak with us. And uh, we look forward to staying in touch. We'll keep touching base with you. Thank you for the invite, Anne-Marie, and I, I look forward to a return. Talk to you soon. All right, take care. Thanks, Hans. You're very welcome. Well, that's it for this edition of Truck Tales. Please stay in touch with us and let us know if you have any story ideas or interesting people that uh, we should contact. And if you want more information about our various programs at Food Truck Ventures, check us out, foodtruckventures.com slash streets, spelled S-T-R-E-A-T-S. And you'll find more information about our Neighborhood Streets program if you want a food truck in your neighborhood with uh, all ordering done online in advance. Or if you have a PTO or nonprofit that would like to raise some money uh, using food trucks, that's our Streets for Schools program, also at foodtruckventures.com streets. And if you are a corporation looking to do something nice for your employees or something different, check us out, Food Trucks To Go, FT, the number 22G, also foodtruckventures.com streets. We're delighted that you joined us this time. Please stay in touch with us in the future. Um, and of course, stay healthy.